0: Well, here we are, again, it's Friday the 8th of May, and we're going to talk about Syria, because we need to talk about Syria, because so much is happening, it's just amazing, and we haven't discussed Syria for a while, and if you hear the birds singing in the background, that's uh, exquisite, because at least I can hear them, it's, it's a lovely day here. Uh, the tension in Syria is fascinating, I mean, extraordinary extraordinary business going on and for why well Rami McClough is cussing off the government he's grumpy 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 he's an Alawite of course unlikely anything is going to happen to him for his sins although I wouldn't like to to slag off the Syrian government and be in Syria it's a risky thing to do Rami McClough he is objecting to the fact that they want more of his money his assets have already been frozen in syria but he's not too happy about that is he he doesn't want to give them more money they, they want his money that's stored overseas i mean rami mccloof has got oodles and oodles, it seems overseas and the syrian government wants to take it away from him he says i will only pay if the money goes to the poor Well, uh, that's quite reasonable, I I would think. Yes, he's, he's he's made three videos complaining about things. So his assets is frozen. They want his money from outside. And he's very close to the government. I mean, to the leadership. His children go to school with their children. That kind of situation, you know. Very close. But I wouldn't do what he's doing if I were him. But there have been others in the, in the family have been doing similar things. Nobody's touching Rami Makhlouf. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they're so strong now in Syria that they don't care. I, I knew a Kurdish boy that was arrested for putting up a Facebook post criticizing Bashar al-Assad. And although we tried to get him released or whatever, he was never heard of again. Difficult. He was a student and and the he was arrested by the president of the Students' Union who turned him over for being disloyal. Perhaps he was. But Rami is getting away with it. Government does need the cash. They are struggling. I mean, that said, I, they have confiscated huge amounts and frozen huge amounts. But th- like I say, now they want to f- take assets that are overseas. They are struggling in the sense that the big war chest of money they confiscated. It's all been used to write down the Syrian national debt and for other reasons, and there, there isn't this spare boodle that they would like to have. And Rami is less important. Rami al is less important in Syria because the president's mother has died, and, and he was obviously close to the president's mother. So it's not such an issue now, having a go at Rami and people in more in in control in the family in and in the government in syria want more sunni involvement in government they they want asma's clan you know the akras from Homs, to be more engaged and involved in the government i mean that's quite reasonable i suppose R- rami Makhlouf is alawite of course and and he's been very useful to the government i mean very wealthy man traditionally the Mcloofs are farmers not warriors some Alawites are warriors some Alawites are farmers so Mcloof family or farming family anyway to be honest Rami hasn't got much of a leg to stand on because he is inside Syria and the people he's not that popular inside Syria sorry Rami Mcloof but nobody is very concerned about Rami Hanging on to his money. Yeah, he's he's not actually <laughs> that popular amongst the Alawites. Uh, it's, it's, it's such an unfair thing to say. But uh, he's not that popular amongst the Syrians. He's not that popular with the Russians. People don't warm to him. I mean, do they warm to the ultra-wealthy in Britain? Possibly not. In times of hardship, we wouldn't warm to the ultra-wealthy in, in Britain, would we? We would be grumpy about them. And if somebody was trying to tax them, we might not, or take away their assets. We might say, okay, you know, we're not going to rush to the barricades to support you. Anyway, it's interesting. Uh, And enough of that. Let's move on swiftly because there's so many interesting things. The Israelis bombarded Syrian positions in eastern Aleppo. That's another interesting little aside. I mean, there were revolutionary, actually, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard man positions, or, or Revolutionary Guard were involved in these positions in eastern Aleppo. And of course, Israel has a history of being troublesome and difficult in this concept. But uh, it's interesting that they got through the S 300 Russian defenses, the air defenses for Syria, because. In the past, um, what, one, two Israeli jets have been shot down. The Israelis say one, but the Israelis always have this habit of underplaying their their war casualties. Two Israeli uh, jets uh, were shot down, in my view. Okay, I'm just saying. Syrians claim two. The Israelis said it was only one. Anyway, whatever. The S-300 Russian defences have been very effective, and it's interesting that the Israelis have worked out a way to get, around them or presumably because they have been bombarding those East Aleppo Revolutionary Guard positions within Syria not sure how helpful it is I'm not sure what it achieves but there you go it, it's an Israeli approach at the moment so what else can we say about the situation in Syria uh, because there's so much so much to say isn't there you know the situation there millions of internally displaced people in Syria and turkey has come and and syria have come to agreement in theory regarding borders of security in idlib province there's a 12 kilometer zone along which joint patrols are taking place and then there's an additional buffer zone six kilometers either side of the m4 which is the highway connecting latakia and sarakin uh not to be confused with the m4 in uk which is the big highway connecting london and cardiff no this is the uh, they have the syrians have their m4 from Alawite to, uh, latakia to sarakib the strategic town in idlib province and sarakib was recaptured by the syrian army in early 2020 and the situation in idlib is very complex it's 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 an interesting scene i mean There are attacks on that highway, and obviously people are miffed at the fact that there are Turkish-Russian joint patrols. Syrian people are miffed at Turkish-Russian joint patrols on the M4 highway. They don't like it. They don't like it one bit. So, uh, meanwhile, uh, 5.6 million refugees have fled Syria or something like that and 3.8 million of these are in turkey i don't know people snatch these come up with these figures snatch out of the air really they're meaningless figures lots of refugees millions have fled syria and millions of these are in turkey well, i could say 3.8 million of these are in turkey you, you, you just guess really and obviously the Turkish-Greek border is hell on earth with people trying to get into Europe, and at least that's uh, how Syria Relief uh, described it. So the political situation is what the political situation is, but Syrians are really not that happy with the joint patrols and with the way things are going. They don't like the repression between Turkey and Russia but most of syria is back to normal except idlib of course where the fighting goes on and the kurdish areas in the northeast where america betrayed so cruelly betrayed the kurds yeah and covid there is covid it's disrupting hospitals in idlib and there have been patients with covid-like symptoms so everybody treats syria differently russia treats syria as a client state iran has a major role regards has long-term role in syria or regards itself as having it. u.s still has the base in tanf and controls much of oil-rich terror azure province and wants to see some sort of process in syria that leads to stability in so much as the u.s have any policy so the future will be full of surprises but, I mean, COVID-19 has moved the focus away from Syria and focus away from the whole the Middle East, certainly in the United States. Russia also has problems at home. Ultimately, Idlib province will fall to the Syrian government. And there we are. The Omanis are trying to do some peace-building role in, in Syria. That's nice to see. Uh, they've been done such good work in Yemen. They're doing less of it now there, but more in trying to take up the, the baton in Syria. So what's the subtext of all of this? Well, the subtext is Russia is grumpy about Bashar al-Assad. Al- gr- Russia is grumpy about the fact that Bashar al-Assad is grumpy about Russia. And they feel he's, you know, where, where's your loyalty? We've done everything for you. We've bombed cities flat for you. And where is your loyalty? At this time, there have been articles in the, in the Russian press, in Pravda, and Russian Today, Russia Today as well, grumpily criticizing Bashar al-Assad. You would think that his position was shaky, but no, it's not shaky. It's not shaky. Russia is grumpy about the fact that Bashar al-Assad is not being very cooperative in regard to the Russian-Turkish alliance to deal with the stability in Northern Syria. what do they expect? Of course, he can't be very cooperative about the fact that the Russia and Turkey have got an alliance. Turkey is a big problem to Syria. Uh, 20 million Alawites in Turkey. So maybe Syria will become a big problem to Turkey if Turkey doesn't watch out. Can turn around and bite them. But Turkey is a big problem for Syria. And it's not surprising that Bashar al-Assad is expressing his grumpiness. And it's not surprising that in turn Russia is expressing her grumpiness. But there is no chance that Russia can pull the rug out from under Bashar al-Assad. I mean there is nobody else. Bashar's brother doesn't talk to the Russians. Well, he's not allowed to I suppose. It's another issue. Uh, you know that Syria is run by Bashar and his brother. Bashar's brother runs the military. Bashar al-Assad runs the the rest, everything else. And in theory, the military as well. But, um, but his brother has a major role in looking after the military. But that is it. His brother is not allowed to creep in on political issues. He's not allowed to talk to Russia. So, Russia talks to Bashar al Assad, and there is no one else for Russia to talk to. And so, what it means is that they have nowhere else to go. Bashar is very strong. He doesn't care what Rami Maklouf says. Rami Maklouf will have to watch his back, uh, no matter how invincible he may think he is. Bashar al Assad, uh, is really fine he has nothing to worry about and so if he decides to criticize russia or criticize turkey or criticize the russian turkish alliance nothing russia can do about it russia has to just go on supporting syria and endure its troublesome client state interesting times will things get better yes they will Will it come easily? No, it won't. The people of Idlib will suffer and suffer and suffer. The Kurds will suffer and suffer and suffer. But there we go. That's America's fault. America betrayed them. Ah, leastways, That's how I see it. Shouldn't say that, should I? I don't know. Maybe it's very judgmental. I'm supposed not to be judgmental. I try not to be judgmental. I tell you what, though, let me say something in America's defense. Any other U.S. president, yes, any other U.S. president, we would have had war in the Middle East by now. We would have done. We'd have had war with Iran. We'd have war, more U.S. involvement, more U.S. bodies coming home in bags. So whatever his flaws, President Trump has made the Middle East more peaceful in so much as he has decided not to exact retribution when he could have done and so credit where credit's due sorry to say anything nice about President Trump but I can't help it it's got to be have got to be honest about these things haven't we? I mean I don't approve of his behavior it, gosh I don't approve of his behavior of COVID-19 that, that's another whole issue but Anyhow, at the end of the day, there's a breathing space in the Middle East, and between President Trump and COVID-19, this breathing space has been delivered, and maybe it gives us a chance to reassess things and think of a better tomorrow. I hope so. I hope for Syria it'll be a better tomorrow, and perhaps it will. At least there's not quite as much death destruction just at this moment in time as there has been for years and years and years god bless poor syria thank you one and all bye